Thank you all for standing by and welcome to the Baby Bunting Group Limited FY21 results. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there'll be a question and answer session. To ask a question at that time, you'll need to press star 1 on your telephone. I'd now like to hand the conference over to your first speaker, Mr. Matt Spencer. Thank you. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you, Tara, and good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Baby Bunting's results presentation for the full year ended 27 June 2021. Joining me on the call today is Darren Hookman, our Chief Financial Officer, and good morning to you, Darren. Good morning, everyone. Uh, before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land upon which we meet today, and we pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. As Tara said, we will be taking questions at the end of the presentation. If we could turn to slide four, our financial highlights. We present the numbers on this page on a pro forma basis. Our long-term goal has been to achieve an EBITDA margin of 10% of sales on a pre-AASB 16 lease accounting basis. I am extremely proud to say that we achieved this in the second half of FY21. I am delighted by the performance of the business and I'd like to take the opportunity to thank and acknowledge all the members of the Baby Bunting team who have contributed to this result in what can only be described as a very difficult and unsettling trading period. Thank you all. Sales of 468 million, a growth of 15.6% in the prior year, reflected the strength of our brand and the preference of shoppers to shop with baby bunting. Comparable or store, same store sales growth for the period of 11.3% was outstanding. In fact, on a two year basis, we've grown sales by 29.2% or 106 million. And this is reflected in the return on invested capital of our mature stores, which is now, now on average greater than 100%. Mature stores or stores over four years old are on average doing 8.2 million in sales with a store EBITDA margin of around 19%. Online sales of 91 million were up 54.2%, making up 19.4% of sales for the year. Interestingly, click and collect sales grew 110% for the period and now make up 57% of all online sales where baby bunting has a store presence. We continue to see gross margin improvement up 83 basis points to 37.1%. This has been achieved while still ensuring that we offer great value to the consumer every day and every visit, backed by a 5% price beat guarantee. Contributing to the gross margin expansion has been the building of our private label brands and exclusive brands and products. This differentiated product now makes up 41.4% of sales. We've also made significant headway on our supply chain strategy, which all adds to our gross margin improvement. We've achieved cost of doing business leverage, impressively 94 basis points at a store level. Of note is our labor to sales rate improvements in store and the weighting of marketing spend away from traditional mediums such as print catalogs. This is now trending down to the extent that on a year-on-year -year basis for the last promotion is down 50% in number, with a switch to a greater investment in digital mediums. Overhead costs include around $2.2 million relating to COVID expenses and expenses relating to a biosecurity event response. There has also been a significant investment in capability within the organization across IT, cybersecurity, digital, supply chain and operations. In summary, sales up, gross profit up, and cost of, doing, cost of doing business leverage achieved. 
resulting in a pro forma EBITDA uplift of 29.2% to $43.5 million and a pro forma NPAT growth of 34.8% to $26 million. EPS growth of 33.2% and a full year dividend of 14.1 cents per share, the result of an 8.3 cents final dividend. An extremely pleasing set of numbers achieved in difficult times. Can just turn to slide five, please, our operating highlights. Our number one focus in the business is to keep our teams and our customers safe. I'm pleased to say that we've continued to progress this with further improvements in our safety performance. Throughout FY21, all our stores have remained open as we provide essential goods and services to parents-to-be and new parents. Sales patterns do get affected during lockdown periods. As a business, during this difficult trading period, we did not receive any JobKeeper payments and nor did we receive any rent relief from landlords. We continued to grow our private label and exclusive brands and products which now make up 41.4% of sales. It was tremendously exciting to launch our private label hard goods brand, Django, which has performed very, very well. We're also excited to announce our exclusive access to the Steelcraft, Baby Love and Joy brands. Steelcraft in particular is a well-known, trusted Australian household brand that has served and supported the needs of parents for over 50 years. These brands deliver differentiation and gross margin benefits and were previously sold, sold through many other retailers. We have a store network plan of over 100 stores in Australia, and through the year we opened four new stores to end the year with 60 stores. We opened between four and eight stores per year, and for the year ahead, we have a strong pipeline of new store opportunities. We continue to sell from our website to New Zealand and have recently launched babybunting.co.nz, employing our headless architecture, the forerunner to the Australian website being launched later this half. We have a store network plan for 10 plus stores in New Zealand. While the project is progressing well in terms of consumer offer, supply discussions and resource planning, the securing of property and the opening of new stores is delayed, largely due to the impact of COVID and our inability to spend time in the market. At this stage, it is more likely that our first physical store will be open in Q4 FY22. We will continue to grow our digital footprint and representation online ahead of physical stores opening. A key element of our strategy to grow market share is through our investment in digital. This encompasses the improvement of our customer experience online. We have a long-term ambition of being able to leverage our store network to fulfill 90% of online orders in metro areas the same day. In this respect, we have continued to progress significantly. For the full year, around 41% of online orders have been processed through our store network. Digital investment and the move to a headless online architecture is part of our broader transformation program. This will lay the platform for long-term sustainable growth. I'll elaborate a little further, but I'm pleased to say that despite substantial impact as a result of COVID-19, we have made significant inroads this year to our transformation agenda. Another key part of the transformation program is our supply chain strategy. And in the second half, we moved into a new 22,000 square meter distribution center and co-located store support office. This project has enabled us to streamline our storage and handling costs by removing the need for two additional 3PL warehouses in Melbourne. The new DC has also facilitated a 60% increase in container volume and supported our private label and exclusive product strategy. The business has certainly developed and we have progressed our environmental, social and governance of, or ESG agenda through the development of our ESG roadmap. This roadmap focuses on our people, our community where we operate, 
and our environmental impact. Our plan is to release our first sustainability report later this year. If you could please turn to slide six. What brings me great pride and confidence in our future market share growth is the way we have grown as a brand and the great relationships we enjoy with our customers. Our core purpose is to support new and expected parents in their parenting journey. And we do this in many ways, in particular through our multi-channel approach to providing a customer with support they need at a very special time in their lives. Since 2015, we've been tracking our brand health every two years through an independent survey of mothers at various stages of early parenthood and gift givers. What we have seen over time is the growth and recognition of baby bunting brand and the preference of new and expected parents who say baby bunting is their preferred physical store to shop. We track a number of measures, but most pleasing is that virtually 9 out of 10 people record with no prompting that baby bunting is a place to shop for essential products such as car seats, trams and nursery furniture. 71% of people surveyed who have shopped for these types of products rate us as their preferred physical store to shop. In our stores surveys, oh, sorry, in our surveys, these numbers are far superior to any other retailers who stock baby bunting products or baby products. Having such a great brand awareness provides us with great confidence when we have plans to roll out new stores into new catchments, reinforcing our vision of being the most loved baby retailer for every family everywhere. With around 300,000 births per year, our loyalty program plays a significant role in customer retention and frequency of visits across all channels. We have around 1.1 million loyalty members, of which around 600,000 have been active in the last 12 months. What we do see is that our customers have a high frequency to visit and spend in the early part of their journey, being pregnancy through to 12 months of age. Our customers then re-engage with us when they reach the next milestone, such as toilet training or moving from a convertible car seat to a forward-facing car seat, or when a subsequent child comes along. This customer lifecycle management through our loyalty program is significant, and I've been delighted by the success of the phase one launch of our new loyalty program called Baby Bunting Family. I'll elaborate further if you can please turn to slide seven. We launched Baby Bunting Family, our new loyalty program, early in the financial year, and we've seen some really promising results. To date, the conversion rate from non-loyalty members to becoming a loyalty member is extraordinarily high, and this is translating to around an additional 25,000 new baby bunting family members per month. Impressively, on average, loyalty members are spending around 36% more per transaction than non-loyalty members through the higher item average item values and increased average items per transaction. Leveraging our marketing automation tools, we have around about 90 customer journeys we can personalize that keeps customer engagement levels high. We're now looking forward to the launch of phase two of the loyalty program, which will go live with our new website and will leverage our headless digital architecture. This phase is expected to transform the program, delivering greater benefits and rewards to, most, to those members who shop with us. Phase two will also unlock greater personalization and will be omni-channel and design supported by a new loyalty management system. This transformation program is expected to be implemented in the first half of the financial year. I'd like to now provide you the brief summary of where we're at, at the in the transformational agenda. On slide eight. Our transformation program has continued through the year, and although there has been some impact to timing as a result of COVID-19, our transformation program is a series of significant one-off large-scale investments that will underpin future growth. We're well progressed with the program of work, and over the past year, we've seen a number of these transformation projects completed. 
as highlighted, COVID-19 has impacted our transformation agenda, and I'd like to give a brief summary of other areas affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. If we could turn to slide nine. The essential nature of the products we supply and the customers we serve with around 6,000 birds per week meant that all our stores remained open throughout the year, despite the challenges associated with the many lockdowns experienced across the nation. Our priority is the health and well-being of our team and our customers, and our large format destination stores has meant that we can operate safely, providing our customers a safe place to shop for their essential needs. To support our team, we have introduced the following. Two weeks paid COVID leave, appreciation leave to say thank you for going above and beyond and the great efforts by our team, eight hours vaccination leave to support the national vaccination effort, and to complement this, we've also provided financial gifts to all team members in recognition of the efforts in a difficult period and a chance to enter into a draw for $10,000 worth of prizes for our team members who are fully vaccinated by the end of November. COVID lockdowns, of which there have been 15 across the country, do impact the flow of sales. Given the less discretionary nature of our category, we've seen historically that sales are not lost, they are deferred until they become absolutely essential. When the customer is in the final trimester of the pregnancy or when they have just had the baby and the requirements post-birth become a necessity, for example, breast pumps or feeding aids, sleeping aids or car seats and capsules. We have communicated all the different ways for the consumer to shop with base bundling. However, the predominant response has been to shop in-store for essential items where customers can get the appropriate service and tailored advice for their needs. Our stores are also the place customers come to get their car seats fitted. In the last year alone, we have fitted over 130,000 car seats for our customers. Just another example of the importance of our stores being open. Our financials, which Dan will talk to in a moment, reflect the fact that we do not receive any JobKeeper support, nor do we receive any rental support from our landlords. And the cost of doing business includes around 1.1 million in COVID-related expenses. I might pause here to hand over to Darren, who will run through the FY21 financial results in more detail. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Matt. If I can get everyone to turn to slide 17, the profit and loss statement. We are presenting the income statement on a pro forma basis to clearly demonstrate the underlying trading performance of the business. There is a reconciliation explaining the differences between the pro forma profit and the statutory profit on slide 26 of this presentation and also in the annual report. But in summary, the current prior year differences relate to the exclusion of employee equity expenses, significant business transformation project costs, and the $2.4 million payment received from a former digital technology vendor. The key call-outs for profit performance are again, sales, 15.6% sales growth driven by 11.3% comp store sales growth, four new stores and annualising stores opened last year. Gross margin, 83 basis points increase in gross margin delivered year on year with 119 basis points in the second half and 41 in the first half. Retail costs, a 94 basis point improvement in our retail cost to sales ratio and overheads, investment in our overhead cost base to support future growth. It is worth emphasising here that as a business just over halfway through its network rollout, we will continue to invest in our cost base over time and ahead of the growth curve. Our overheads were impacted by three items in FY21 that weren't calling out. 
The first is the $1.1 million of biosecurity costs that we incurred in the first half. The total cost to manage the biosecurity event was $2.2 million, but at this stage, $1.1 million of those costs will be covered by our insurance and sit as a receivable in our balance sheet. The remaining $1.1 million sits within cost of doing business, and we do not expect these will reoccur going forward. The second call-out is our COVID cost of $1.1 million. The majority of these costs were incurred in the first half and should reduce significantly going forward, with some residual and ongoing minor costs pertaining to PPE purchases and COVID leave for team members that may be forced to isolate. The final call-out is that we accrued $2 million in staff incentive payments in FY21 relative to nil in the prior year. These are financial bonuses to reward our staff for the outstanding results they have delivered for the FY21 financial year. To summarise earnings, EBITDA of 43.5 million was 29.2% up on the prior year, delivered with 100 basis point improvement in EBITDA margin from 8.3 up to 9.3%, noting EBITDA margin got to 10% in the second half. And finally, it was great to see the sales and margin gains flowing all the way down the P&L to deliver pro forma impact growth of 34.8% year on year. Slide 18. Looking to the balance sheet, we have again finished in net cash position despite the significant investments in transformation we are making on the business. The net cash position gives us significant headroom to further progress our transformation and growth agendas in the coming years. The primary call out on the balance sheet is the $15 million investment we made in our inventory, now $80 million. Of this, around $10 million is recovering our in-stock position from the prior year, which was depleted below our planned holding levels due to the extraordinary growth we saw in May and June 2020 after the initial national COVID lockdown in April 2020. In addition to recovering our base inventory position, we also added $3 million for the four new stores we opened and a further $2 million to maintain appropriate weeks on hand inventory relative to our higher sales profile. Looking forward, we will build our inventory levels further in the first half of FY22, which is similar to the year just gone where we held $92 million of inventory at the half. This will further mitigate risk in relation to potential COVID-related supply chain impacts and to ensure sufficient inventory coverage for post-Christmas sales and Chinese New Year shutdown. With capacity at our new DC and low financing costs, the benefits of protecting future sales outweigh the associated holding costs of higher inventory. You'll also note our right of use asset balance and the associated lease liabilities provisions have increased by around $20 million year on year. This is primarily due to the addition of our new DC where we have taken out a 12-year lease. Moving now to the cash flow statement on slide 19. <clears throat> we had free cash flow of $4 million, well down on the prior year of $23 million, which benefited from a significant short-term working capital benefit as we came out of lockdown in the prior year which I just described uh, when talking about the balance sheet. Our operating cash flows after this working capital investment were $22.8 million, of which we invested $18.8 million into our capital and transformation programs, 
as well as paying out $15.7 million in dividends. Adding the 8.3 cent dividend we have announced today, along with the interim dividend of 5.8 cents paid back in March, we will pay out 70% of our pro forma impact shareholders. Turning now to slide 20, which presents our updated store economic slide. When we first presented this slide back in 2016, our average mature store return on invested capital metric was 70%. This is now above 100%, delivered through continued expansion of the of market share in the markets that we operate, plus higher gross margins and strong management of our store cost base. Our mature store cohort is now up to 36 stores. 33 of those are metro and three regional. For our mature metro stores, 23 of the 33 are delivering over plus 100% return on invested capital, with the lowest being around 70%. Regarding our regional stores, of which there are six that have now completed uh, more than two full years of trade, these stores are delivering capital returns of between 70 and up to 100%. Virtually all of our stores are performing incredibly well with the one outlier probably being Chadston, which after a sensational first year really felt the effects of the COVID lockdowns and shopping centre avoidance more than any of our other stores. We are expecting this store, which is in a great location and has a terrific team, to recover quickly when we return to a more normalised trading environment. Notwithstanding, all our other shopping centre stores, of which we now have four, showed encouraging signs in their first year of trade and we will continue to look for the right opportunity in these centres as well as our traditional large format centre locations. That concludes the financial update, so I will now hand back to you, Matt. Um, thank, you, thank you, Darren, and I reiterate a very pleasing set of numbers for the year. Turning to slide 21. Speaking of looking ahead, we have, I think, apart from an exciting transformational agenda, including the new website and phase two of the loyalty program, we also have some other exciting things ahead of us. We look to roll out new stores, probably at the top end of our range of four to eight, with a number of leases already signed. We look forward to opening our first stores in New Zealand and continue to focus on margin improvement through the strengthening of our supply chain and logistics capabilities. We will continue with our focus on our private label and exclusive brands, with the aim of this being 50% of sales in the medium term. And finally, we hope to see vaccination rates improve and see fewer lockdowns and disruption to our lives as a result of COVID-19. Slide 22. Over the page, we track the Medicare 12-week scan data, which is highlighting a potential uptick in births through the first half of FY22, which I believe sets us up well, given our high brand awareness and brand preference. Before talking about the outlook, I might take a moment to provide some detailed context about the impact of lockdown on our business and the flow of sales. So turning to slide 23. As highlighted, the baby goods category is essential and a non-discretionary category. People who are having babies in the next few months are already well progressed in their pregnancy and the needs are established. What may not have occurred as yet is the act of actually purchasing product. In lockdowns, we are mainly seeing those customers in our stores when the need becomes essential. It's important to emphasize that in our category, in-store service and tailored advice is critical. Things like checking the car feed fits the car or having it installed correctly, in addition to this, products for feeding and baby and mother's health, and the technical items that need tailoring to the customer's needs. 
we also stock a range of items specifically focused on premature babies and parents of premature babies who are working through unexpected circumstances and need the help and guidance of in-store service. To help break this down a bit further, we have provided a table which highlights that consumers in the third trimester and those that have just given birth are actively purchasing products predominantly in store when they can experience a product and get the service and advice they require. Customers in trimester one and two and gift givers are more likely researching online, purchasing online and deferring their store visits to post-lockdown or when the need becomes essential, as in the case of long lockdowns. It is our view and experience that these sales are not lost, they are deferred. The graphs below reflect the impact of comparable store sales when we have a three-day lockdown, a five-day lockdown, a medium-term lockdown of around 12 days, and then a long lockdown. In all cases, we see comparable store sales recover quickly. This gives us confidence in relation to the current impact of lockdown on a year-to-date sales performance. Now let's turn to the outlook on slide 24. Year-to-date comparable sales have been affected by lockdowns across most states and significantly Victoria and New South Wales. As of 12 August, comparable store sales were negative 6.4, impacted by the current stay-at-home orders. I would remind you that this time last year, the only stores in lockdown were 12 Metro Melbourne stores and comp store sales were running at around 20%. We've seen a recovery of comparable store sales during the period in line with expectations and historical lockdown trends. About 80% of trading year-to-date has been impacted by various state lockdowns. Online sales are up 32.6%, cycling 123% DCB. This period is our lowest sales period for the year, following our largest trading month of the year in June. And we're confident, based on historical sales performance and patterns post-lockdowns, that sales will recover. The Medicare 12-week scan data and the strength of our brand underpins our confidence in the future. We anticipate opening three stores in the first half with a strong pipeline of stores in the second half, plus two stores in New Zealand. Given the uncertainty caused by the pandemic and consistent with last year, we're unable to provide guidance at this time. On behalf of Darren and myself, we'd like to thank you for your support and attendance today. We'll now take any questions you may have. To assist, please state your name and who you represent. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. We will now commence the question and answer session. If you wish to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. If you need to cancel that request, please press the pound or hash key. Our first question comes from Joe Little at Morgan's. Please go ahead. Uh, morning, Matt and Darren, can you hear me? Yes, Joe, good morning. Yep, great, good morning. Congratulations, guys, another strong year of growth. Um, just a couple of questions, just firstly on the DC, so that's all up and running. I think at the last result you said you'd be in a better position to provide some clarity on, you know, the benefits we, we should expect. So um, just wondering, can you confirm the immediate benefit to the growth margin, maybe in FY22, I think from memory you said around 20 basis points, um, and then perhaps some colour beyond that um, now that we're through that, that kind of project? Yeah, hi Joe, I'll take that one. Um, yes, that is that is correct from a margin perspective. That will flow in over time as we transition our uh, direct-to-store vendors um, into um, fulfilling, they'll be fulfilling direct into our DC. Um, the other benefit that that uh, DC will give us with is we will be able to add additional stores and then leverage our um, 
le leverage the cost base of that uh, DC. Um, in the FY21 financial year, we did incur around a million dollars worth of um, variable um, warehousing 3PL costs in Victoria um, to sort of hold inventory because we just ran out of space in, in the DC. And so that, that, will go, that will go away in the, um, in the new financial year as well. Okay, so not willing to kind of talk about the benefits longer term, is it just too early? You know, quantify, I mean? Well, I think that, um, I mean, very quickly we'll transition those, um, those suppliers uh, through FY22 from the margin perspective, uh, and then we'll hold that, and then beyond that, um, you then uh, then you're looking at sort of leverage, you know, leveraging because you because your variable costs, which were increasing as we're adding stores into the network, that won't be the case, and so we um, they'll, they'll be flat relative to the addition of new stores and additional inventory as we roll those stores out. Okay, thank you. Um, and sounds like you're going to do about eight stores this year there or thereabouts. Um, where are they? Where are they kind of located? I mean, should we expect much cannibalisation, or are they in new markets? Uh, it'll be a blend of uh, regional and metro. So there'll be four regional, four metro, three in the first half of of which one will be in uh, metro Sydney. And then in the second half, it'll be um, three, three and one, so the reverse, so the three and two, so three metro and two, two regionals. Okay, thank um, you. And then from up, from up, from up here, okay. <laughs> thank you. Um, and just New Zealand, obviously, you, you said when you initially flagged the four stores, you said obviously we're assuming we can get over there and travel, which has not been the case. Um, so, so two in the back, back end of the next financial year. Um, I think we kind of on the last conference call talked about, you know, kind of modest losses from, from that region. Would that still be intact, in Darren? Yeah, we're still we're still investing in, in scanning the business up, and so there'll be costs of around one and a half million dollars to actually get the business uh, stood up. Uh, then uh, what what was what we're anticipating occurring was as we rolled out, uh, which we were planning to roll out uh, four stores in FY22, that the, the margin and the profit from those stores would defray those uh, opening uh, those sort of stand up costs. Obviously, you know that will be lower now that we're um, having to defer the opening of the stores. Yep, understood. Thank you. And sorry, just lastly, um, great to see that mature store margin up at 19%. I get. I guess the the next question is is 12% the new you know long-term EBITDA margin? Um, if we assume that your overhead at the percentage of sales is about right. I think that uh, looking ahead, we see more opportunities for margin growth, and we and we see opportunities for uh, to deliver efficiency gains. That's what our transformation agenda is all about. Um, and we know that there are you know things that we could do um, you know more efficiently today, uh, and so we've got our eye on on um, sort of driving those costs out of the business. And also, we see um, sort of more opportunities uh, in the supply chain and um, to getting getting those costs down, which will help our margin um, over the long term. Yeah, great market share. 
and absolutely growing our market share, which will also sort of help deliver leverage um, through the overhead base. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Our next question comes from Marnie Lysa at Macquarie Capital. Please go ahead. Good morning. Hi, um, my question is just around, I understand um, you know, the gross margin improvement that has been recorded, and particularly that this second half, um, as a result of various initiatives. But is there any, um, I mean, are you seeing any kind of cost inflation um, coming through, particularly from um, yeah, the, the likes of logistics? And, and you're confident that, I guess, the, the move to, to private label and, and other initiatives um, will help you offset that? The, the the second half uh, included uh, so our our international freight rates mm. did increase uh, yeah. and we and we saw that cut so the margin that you see in the second half which was up over 110 basis points in the second half includes the um, increased uh, international freight costs it also includes um, the addition so very late in FY20 we added our five percent price beat and that's actually had a, a decreased 15 basis point margin on the result uh, in both the first half and the second half and so you know you're actually seeing a very strong gross margin performance when you uh, cast it in that in the light of those two um, downward elements too okay and um, and have you seen any other other changes in say the the part, like early you know since you know since the end of the thirtieth of June any other changes coming through um, in that and you're you're quite confident that the initiatives that you have um, underway will continue to offset that. The um, as I sort of pointed out to Joe, there's plenty of initiatives we've got coming down the pipeline. I mean, mm -hmm. from an FOB perspective, I mean, it's still the smaller proportion of our cost of goods sales base. And so around 15% of our um, purchases are in US dollars. So it's still mm -hmm. not a significant component um, of our, of our um, the profile of our sales. So, um, you know, we are confident that we can continue to grow our um, our gross margin. Yeah, um, no, that's not, notwithstanding. You go. I was just going to say, not, not notwithstanding that, I mean, I think we're, um, you know, facing uh, the same challenges as everybody else, you know, with regards to the um, uh, international um, international freight. But we've got uh, contracted rates locked in at the moment. No, that's all clear, and that's um, yes, that was um, we picked that up from the slide. But those are my questions. I'll jump back in the queue. Thank you for your time. That's fine. Thanks, Marty. Our next question comes from Tim Lawson at Macquarie. Please go ahead. Hey guys, thanks for taking my question. Just on, on slide eight, you, you provide a good profile of capex and opex out FY twenty two and twenty three. Just the profile of that, you've got sort of OPEX slowing and, um, initially and then accelerating again. Just talk through the various initiatives there um, and what, what the investment's in. Well, what we've got coming up is we're um, finalising the, um, the Australian uh, digital uh, architecture is occurring. Then in addition to that, we've got um, people systems occurring um, we're bringing in an advanced order management system. 
um, we're um, standing up the second phase of our loyalty program. We'll commence work on um, ERP, point of sale, and a number of um, other elements. I mean, when we sort of originally forecast out this program, uh, you know, we had estimates around CapEx and, and OpEx, but, you know, that, that, that evolves over time. And because the majority of the um, systems that we are introducing are software as a service, uh, what you find is, you know, the the stand-up costs of these systems um, are actually items of um, opex as opposed to capex. And so there's nothing to write. So, I think that that opex versus capex trend that margin should improve more strongly from capex versus opex or vice versa. These are so we had a very, we had a defined transformation agenda, Tim, uh, which you see on that page. And so all of these items, those OPEX items, will be proformed out of our results. And that is because they are not operating costs. They are costs associated with the establishment of all of these systems that you cannot capitalise under accounting standards. Going forward, once these systems are introduced, for example, in FY22, we'll see, you know, we'll have annual... Um, OPEX costs in relation to our people systems of around $300,000 um, per annum, which is the licensing to run that and also the maintaining maintaining that. The uh, capital costs and the OPEX costs are actually one of operating costs to stand that system up in the first instance is um, a lot more than that. But then they do have ongoing um, costs. It's like renting It's like renting a, yeah. you know, a store. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Thanks. Cheers. Our next question comes from Sam Teeger at City. Please go ahead. Oh, hey, Matt. Hey, Darren. Hi, Matt. I just wanted um, to know if you can talk about, in terms of the high inventory that you're carrying now, what categories and brands is this primarily relating to? Well, I wouldn't call it high inventory. If you look at our stock terms, we've actually improved our stock terms. And you know what we got depleted on, and so you will recall if we go, if we we really need to go back to F20 to sort of um, explain what our what our well, first of all our inventory profile matches our sales profile, um, but um, you know we do have so then you look back to F F20 and what did we do? We had a national lockdown coming up. In, in April 2020, no one in the uh, Australian landscape really understood what COVID was going to mean for their businesses. And so what you do in that situation is we started to defer orders in anticipation of a significant fall away in sales and to sort of manage and preserve cash. The lockdown finished and then very quickly after that, um, then there was um, our, our sales in May and June jumped over plus 20% comp sales growth in both of those months, and then that continued into the um, into the new financial year. At that point, we were then playing catch up, and so whilst customers continued to take laybys, we were actually you know had experiencing you know out of stocks, and that continued you know right right through you know the first quarter and into the second quarter of last financial year. Where we are now is we've got a very strong in-stock position, so it's around 95%. We're very happy with that. Our weeks on hand 
um, has is consistent with what we've uh, historically, in fact, it's improved and what we were sitting at in F18, F19 and pre-COVID F20. And so really it was just recovering inventories that we, we deferred um, and then uh, followed by a, um, a very sharp increase in our, um, in our sales profile. Yeah, and I think also, so Darren, I think the investment in the, the um, replenishment tools and the, the financial planning tools have meant that we've right-sized the inventory and we've got total visibility to that, which uh, historically has been a challenge for us because we've had a lot of store-based ordering and, and direct store vendor refill. Got it, yeah, that makes sense. And then you talked about um, investing in additional inventory over the first half of 22. Um, you're able to provide any colour in terms of in terms of millions, how much more you think you need to get where you want to be, given the uncertainties we are seeing around freight and supply chains? Yeah, well, look, uh, we're still sort of working through that, but I wouldn't be surprised if we... I mean, mostly it's cyclical, right? So we, we got up to $92 million at the half in the prior year, and uh, I'd expect us to be uh, pushing up around that number. But I think very much to your point is that um, security of supply and having that inventory available for sale is, you know, it's very important. Good news is we're, uh, we started the year in a, in a net cash position with, um, you know, borrowings uh, capacity of up to $70 million. We won't need, need anywhere near that, but um, we've got plenty of capacity to invest. Right. And then um, just given what we're seeing with shopping centre foot traffic more generally, how is this making you think about um, opening new stores in, in shopping centres compared to how you were thinking about it maybe one to two years ago? Uh, I, I, no change, uh, really. Uh, I think that you know the thing that we've all got to look forward to is um, everybody getting, getting the nation up to a 70% uh, vaccinated state. And then at that point, then we know, or we've been uh, told that there'll be change from that point onward. That gives us confidence. Our three shopping centre stores, uh, Castle Towers, Knox, Belcon, and started very well, all performed very well. Um, certainly, Chadston's um, bounced back, bounced back in the second half. Second half, but um, you know, there's things to note, like you know, they were using that as a testing centre for a while, um, the car parks there. So it just wasn't a particularly desirable place for people to come and um, shop and, and feel safe at the same time. So um, we're, we're very relaxed about um, our, our program and what shopping centres have done for us is, you know, we'll always look at all opportunities and catchment and then make a decision with regards to what we think is the, is the, best, is the opportunity that will maximise our market share within a catchment. Our next question comes from James Bales at Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks, guys, for taking my questions. I wanted to understand a little bit about how you're thinking about comps given the first six weeks. The two-year stack still looks pretty good and we've been in lockdown. Um, is it fair to extrapolate that sort of performance on a two-year DAC basis in terms of how we're tracking for the rest of the year? Can you just play that one back yeah. to us again? 
Yeah, so Kitsan Kitsan last year, your comps for twenty percent, you're down six point four, so your two year stack still looks pretty strong. Is there anything wrong like is there any flaw in the logic in sort of suggesting that if you've got a cycle um you know, eleven to twelve for the rest of the year that the trajectory you're on puts you uh, still in pretty good stead? I I think we're looking at two very different scenarios and um, what we're dealing with now is in the prior year we had Victoria with 12 stores in lockdown and what you've seen, if you look at the outlook slide, what you're looking at at the moment is we've had between 50 to 75% of our stores have basically been in lockdown um, for the first six weeks of trade. The first week, six weeks of trade is, is very short. Um, people, you know, can defer their buying decisions um, for a short amount of time, um, and that's really what we're seeing. But you know, we, you know, we're starting to see a bounce back in the comparable store sales growth from week four. I mean, I think the other thing we need to sort of tie in here is that the the scan data from Q3 was plus 6% year-on-year and Q4 was plus 4% year-on-year. That is, the, that is the, the births that are coming through the first half of FY22 are locked in. People were, the people that will have, have babies in the first half of this year were pregnant at the start of the financial year. And so really you're seeing a short-term deferral um, of purchasing as and where people can. Um, but Matt, is there anything else you'd like to add there? Um, no, I think you've covered most points. As the vaccination rates go up, and we get to more COVID on the state as well. So is it fair to think when you you look at that scan data that if they're 12 week scans and you've got a a deadline on making a purchase around the time of birth that the lag is maximum six months? I would suggest that you are starting to... You, you can certainly defer through the first trimester and the second, second trimester um, if you need to, but you're really starting to think about um, you know, your purchasing at, at that point. Yeah, and you get your health professional will give some advice that says, you know, get yourself ready, um, you know, around week 35. So, you know, that's, um, you know, what, what, you know that, that's the, the, I guess, the, the trigger point that, you know, you need to be in store, you need to get your, 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 uh, your, your car seats, your, your cots, your prams, those sort of things uh, all set up. Um, and then obviously when you have the baby, there's those, those immediate needs that once you've had the baby, um, you know, you know, feeding aids, etc., uh, they come into play as well. Okay. And then the other element that might really impact comp sales over the next sort of six to twelve months is last time you changed your website, it really changed behaviour in terms of traffic and conversion. You've sort of talked about this migration to headless e-commerce in 22, plus the loyalty phase too, how should we think about the impact and timing of each of those elements? 
we are um, the, 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 the headless architecture is going to give a great experience to the customer. We've got a assist with, well, it's it's, a, it's multiple um, pieces of software that are tied together. They're all best of breed. You're going to have a great search component, there'll be a great checkout component. Uh, and then, so we're really expecting that that's going to reduce friction on the website and it's going to drive up conversion. Um, then, you know, once we've locked that in and we're at this stage, we're sort of looking around all the September, then we are then move on to um, sort of standing up the loyalty, um, the loyalty software in the business, and and what that will deliver is that's going to have a lot of personalisation associated with it, and it's going to you know the reason we're investing in this system is that we identified through our um, customer data analysis that we still a lot of our customers are still you know only buying once or twice with us. And so, you know, we're going to sort of lift up to, you know, the lifetime spend of our customers by um, getting them back in the store and, and buying um, repeat purchases. And, and you talked about the trade-off between that loyalty sales growth and gross margin earlier. How should we think about that impacted phase two? Will that have a... Um, decreative impact on the gross margin? We, um, no, I don't, I don't think that's how we're looking at it from a margin perspective. So we, what we'll do is we'll actually, at the moment we've got a 5% discount card. So that'll turn off and then that'll, you know, fundamentally, you know, fund the offers that we'll have um, for the new loyalty program. Got it. Okay, thanks guys. I appreciate the help. Our next question comes from James Casey at Ordnanet. Please go ahead. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Um, just a question with regards to your cost base. The, the overhead expenses have increased uh, 200 basis points over the last few years, up to 7.1%. And, and Darren, you called out a number of one-off costs that impacted uh, that number this year. Um, is, is the 7.1% overhead expense, is that, is that going to decline uh, over the next couple of years and, and get back to a, uh, a, a sort of 5% number as you bring more stores on or is 7% kind of the new normal? The, we will continue to invest in our overhead James, um, but as we, as you rightly point out, as we add stores, we will see leverage on that. Um, I'm not going to sort of do a um, a sales forecast out that sort of suggests that you know we're going to see a significant sort of decline in our overhead sales um, ratio. I mean, it's been a very important point to know point to note with regards to your overheads is that you know historically. You know your systems and and uh, your systems and your um, software and apps is a significant component of your um, investment profile these days. They were historically an amortised or depreciated investment. What you see now is you actually you've got much lower um, in 
CapEx investment in these systems, but they become a part of your operating cost base and so they're included in your overhead cost base. And so as we continue to uh, transition to those you know, software as a service, then they'll, they'll sit within the OPEX line they were previously sitting in the depreciation line. Okay, that's fine, that's all I have. Thank you. Our next question comes from Divik Nigam at Macro Capital. Please go ahead. Morning, Darren. Morning, Matt. Um, great result and congratulations for the past fiscal year. Uh, just had a quick question regarding uh, the improvement in margins and whether you like, could provide some colour as to why you know, there's a skewed improvement towards the second half. I mean, despite, I think, uh, what was mentioned earlier about the freight cost inflation that you experienced in that second half. We, we had a number of um, we had a number of uh, our, our, our plex increase over the course yeah. of the year, and so we had some annualising benefits sort of coming through on the second half. The second half, and in particular, you know, we launched our Jingo um, hardware product uh, in, the, in the second half. We also had some additional exclusives come through in the second half as well. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that's, it, that's it for me. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Our next question comes from Ariane Narosi at Bar & Joey. Please go ahead. All right, thank you, Rob. Uh, just a quick one for me. The Medicare data obviously bodes quite well for you guys moving forward. Are you going to strategically step up marketing and sort of other shorter-term cost investment to capture uh, a larger share of that? Um, those potential customers, are you comfortable with the, the current of the investment? Uh, look, I think I think we're we're, we're comfortable with the, the level of investment we're making. Um, uh, we certainly have seen the brand health uh, grow substantially. What we do see though is how do we get the reach and more benefit and, uh, from our spend? And so you know the digital medium and that will will, will assist us through that. Um, and so a lot of the work that we've been doing, uh, you know, around socials. Um, you know, our, our investment in, in capability around SEO and SEM in our, in our business is, is, is certainly uh, paying dividends. Um, so, look, I think, I think it's just about how we, um, you know, leverage that spend in, in a digital way. I think also very important is the call-out that we make is um, the, 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 the programs we associate ourselves with, certainly over the coming period, you know, we, we, we do work with Life's Little Treasures Foundations, uh, which is a very high profile, and also Panda, where we've, uh, we we raise funds, and I guess that that all sort of uh, our big fundraising drives occur basically in the second in the first half of the second half of the calendar year, um, and um, and so that also lifts our profile uh, quite enormously. But uh, you know, for a really good reason that we're we're out there supporting parents at that, that critical time that that, that this uh, uh, you know the the, the people in that scan uh, data uh, will be engaged with. I mean, it's also, Ariane, it's worth noting that we've got a very strong digital presence already with over 30 million visits to the, our uh, website um, per annum. That's perfect. Thanks, guys. Our final question in queue comes from Sam Teeger at City. Please go ahead. Okay, guys, just one very quick follow-up. I think Darren made a comment before about Sales starting to bounce back from week four in first half 22. Just wanted to understand 
did I hear that correctly? And um, sales now positive after a week four? But certainly you can see the um, on our outlook slide that the trend from week four has been that um, you know we sort of dropped down to around a negative twelve percent comp and we're back up around six. So you can see from that that you know we are in positive territory from that point. All right. Thanks very much. Thanks, sir. Thank you. That was our final question. So I'll hand back to Matt and Darren for closing comments. Um, just like to say thank you once again for your support and for your time this morning. Uh, much appreciated. Thank you both very much. This does conclude our conference today. Thank you so much for joining. You may now disconnect.